0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message.
1: You enjoyed uh, Olivia's word last week. you here for that. How good was that? So impactful. If you, uh, if you missed it, then you need to listen to the podcast. You preached a great message on um, uh, uh, living an undivided life, an undivided life. And I think it was so impactful because it was really her honesty around how the Holy Spirit that week was, you know, she prepared this message, but revealing kind of these own parts of her own soul and in her heart that were still divided. Um, We all have these these things lurking in our hearts, don't we, in the, in the shadows of our hearts. And they often aren't revealed until there is pressure in our life, and until there's difficulty, until we go through those seasons where we feel overwhelmed with things. And then we start to get squeezed and we see these things coming out. And um, Olivia shared that that week before she preached was one of the most spiritually intense weeks of our lives, there was really nothing bad that happened. It was just this this heaviness and this loud um, prevailing voice of the enemy that was uh, really bearing down on us. And um, I found it to be quite encouraging uh, because uh, whenever there's those moments of of the enemy manifesting in our life, it's often a good indication that we are right on the verge of breakthrough, that uh, the enemy is getting a little bit afraid and intimidated because of what God's doing in our life. Uh, But uh, we've got to keep going. When we have these seemingly dark moments, it's not the time to be passive in our prayer. that week that Liz was talking about, and there was this particular day that was especially difficult and challenging, and I was shouting so loud at the devil, and I was praying to God so loud in my car that the decibel warning indicator on my Apple Watch went off. It was telling me, if you continue to do this, you are going to go deaf. I said, I don't care. I'm going to keep shouting. And uh, sometimes this is why Paul said we have to fight the good fight of faith, that there are moments in our life when passivity is not going to get the job done. So I want to look at a passage of Scripture where Paul talks about this. um, You know, how we respond in the dark and the discouraging moments of life is absolutely critical. So 2 Corinthians 4, we'll put this on the screen for you. I may stop along the way to give you a little commentary uh, before we preach through this. Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The, the, The treasure is the power and the presence of God. It's the revelation of who Jesus is and the jars
2: of clay is us. Clay jars are fragile. That's us. We are afflicted
1: Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We're really gonna preach from all of this, but uh, I wanna draw your attention back to verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what's been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. I want to talk about the spirit of faith today. Spirit of faith. Father, we love your presence. Thank you that you've been here. Lord, we've come here to honor you primarily, but thank you that in your presence you begin to change us. Lord, you begin to realign things in our hearts. And God, I ask today that there would be an impartation from heaven, from your Holy Spirit, into our hearts of a spirit of faith. Lord, would you help us to rise above temptations towards passivity, uh, apathy. Lord, would you help us rise above temptations to give up, to quit? Oh, Father, your word says that the people who know their God will display strength and take action. We see it all through your word. Would you open our eyes and uh, help us to live this in Jesus' name, amen. The, uh, the most decorated uh, soldier in the history of the United United States Marine Corps was this man named General Lewis Puller. They called him Chesty, Chesty Puller. And uh, he got this nickname Chesty because of his big barrel chest and his bold assertiveness. I mean, look at this man's face. If that doesn't look like bold assertiveness, I don't know what is, what does. He had this never give up, never surrender, never retreat attitude. And uh, still today in military academies, uh, they still teach and tell stories about this man, Chesty Puller. And one of the more legis- legendary stories comes from his time in the Korean uh, War in the 1950s. And uh, he he and this men were in a battle, and they were having a hard time locating where the enemy was. And so because of Chesty Puller's mindset of advance and never retreat. He just keeps pushing forward, keeps pushing forward, keeps pushing forward. And then he realized that they had advanced so far that they were completely surrounded by the enemy. The enemy had flanked them and they were completely surrounded. Now, being surrounded by the enemy in battle is the worst possible situation you can be in. And it's a complete blunder and failure of leadership. You're cut off from your supply lines. There's no place to retreat to. Uh, you're, the enemy can just begin to close in on you, and you're pretty much done. And so imagine the temptation at this moment for Chesty Puller, you know, the, the temptation to just surrender, the temptation to give up, to just, just hey, we're, we've, we're done. We're, we failed. Look, I'm a failure. I've, I've, I've screwed us all. We're just going to die right here. But uh, that wasn't Chesty Puller. He um, radioed back to uh, the headquarters once he realized that they were completely surrounded and cut off. And here's what he radios back. He says, our enemy is in front of us and the enemy is behind us. The enemy is on our left and on our right. They won't escape us this time. And they go on that day to win a legendary battle. But his response really is a great illustration for us of what Paul means when he talks about a spirit of faith. No matter how dark and discouraging the facts are, there is only one possible outcome in the mind of the one with a spirit of faith, and that is victory. That is success. So what is the spirit of faith? Well, the Greek word that Paul uses here for spirit just happens to be the word pneuma, and we know that's a word. Come on. means breath or uh, or spirit or wind. It can be translated many different ways, of course, and uh, often it refers to a spiritual ent- entity. Uh, most often refers to the Holy Spirit, but here Paul's meaning is a little bit different. He's not talking to us about a spiritual entity; It's talking about an attitude, a mindset, uh, a posture. You know, we might talk about team—a uh, team that has team spirit. You know, like it was this this mindset. The spirit of faith is the attitude that elevates God's unseen promises above our current seen reality. It's sort of like this data analyzer; it's the the filter through which information flows, data flows from all around us. When information flows through, data flows through the filter of the spirit of faith, the focus is on the promise, and there's a choice to believe. When information flows through a filter of unbelief, there is fear, there is an expectation of failure, there is uh, discouragement, there's this temptation to give up. And so if we're going to walk with Jesus in a fallen world, we're going to need a spirit of faith. There's been many times that the the data, the information, the scene reality has not been so pleasant. I was thinking this morning about this time we lived in Lexington. and I got a phone call. Olivia's saying that Ben has cut his wrist and the ambulance is there and he's bleeding all over the place. And man, talking about a dark moment, I'm alone driving in my car and how are you going to respond in that moment? Overwhelmed with fear, overwhelmed, you know, and, and so you got to just begin to lift up your voice. There's, there's, there's some, there, there's, we're going to respond in some way in that moment. Uh, Martin last week, hope you don't mind me sharing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, had, we, he, we came into Sunday last week and he tells me, it's like, yeah, we had this, I had this business deal that was like epic and, and it's, it's all just fallen apart. It's all, And there was this response of, okay, wait, wait a minute. I'm not going to respond in fear. You know, And so we gathered here on Sunday, and we had this moment where we took a stand. We believe. We began to speak to that situation, call things that be not as though they were. See, the spirit of faith uh, re- requires a certain response when the bad news comes, right? And so I followed up later in the week, and guess what happened? Monday morning, the deal's back on. Come on. But what do you do when you get bad news? You know, interest rates are rising or um, news about a layoff at work. Uh, Teenagers made a dumb decision, you know, or struggling in their relationship with God. Bad news from the doctor. Just a barrage of dark thoughts that come when you're just right on the verge of some kind of breakthrough in your life and you don't really see it yet. The enemy sees it. The enemy knows what's about to come and is trying to tempt you to give up. What about the lies that the enemy tells you Uh, against one another, against your covenant family, trying to separate from those that God has called you to connect with. The spirit of faith does not deny the reality of our current situation that we're experiencing. But the spirit of faith does say that the promise of God is greater than my current reality. So we can see the spirit of faith upon many people, many different times in Scripture. How about the story of Joshua and Caleb? That's a good one. Moses sent out 12 spies into the promised land, uh, and he sent them out not to suss out whether we should take the land because God had already said, go in and take the land. He sent them in to assess on a bit of a reconnaissance mission what the land was like and how we should take the land. Now, the problem was that 10 spies came back uh, full of fear and said that uh, we look like bugs to these uh, giants in the land. They're too great for us. If we go into the land, we're going to die. Okay, so that information was coming through a filter. But there were two men who had a spirit of faith, saw the exact same thing that the other 10 saw, and they said, no, 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 we should by all means go in and take the land. The Lord has given it to us. Why did they say that? Because the promise of God was greater than the reality. There were only two people and two people's families from that entire generation who went into the promise. Who was it? Joshua and Caleb. So how we respond matters. How about David and Goliath? Man, you got an entire generation, even the current king, trembling in fear in the valley because of the taunt and intimidation of the enemy. And here comes David. His response is a little bit different. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine talking to the armies of the living God like this? Does he, he, this man does not have a covenant with God. We are the ones with a covenant. I will go fight him. It's a spirit of faith. And I love what he says. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And then he just starts to declare what's going to happen. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will cut off your head and I will feed your body and all the bodies of the army of all this enemy to the birds of the air and the, and, and the beasts of the field. And it's gonna be done so that everybody knows that our God is the king of all the earth. It's a spirit of faith. Man, I could go on. There's Jonathan and his armor bearer striking down a thousand men. How about Jehoshaphat who leads an army uh, into battle Worshiping victory. Jehu, the only man who is not intimidated by Ahab and Jezebel, cuts them down, strikes them down, fulfills uh, his calling to uh, end the reign of Ahab and Jezebel and end their brutality. How about Jesus just casting devils out of people, raising the dead, healing the sick, spirit of faith in operation? How about uh, Peter and John just grabbing this lame man? I mean, talking about a spirit of faith, it takes to just jerk a man up off of a mat. Spirit of faith at work. Stephen praying for forgiveness of his persecutors as they're stoning him. We see the spirit of faith over and over and over again. This is the expectation, the response of the people who know their God. This is how we are to live. God's power just being, being displayed just through normal Weak people. So how do we get a spirit of faith? Where does it come from? Well, when we look back at the passage, we can find a few clues. The first thing we've got to recognize is that we only find out for sure if we have the spirit of faith when when we're in our moments uh, of extreme desperation for God. That's when we find out. It's when our seen reality is contrary to the promises of God. Paul speaks of being afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. If we go back a few chapters to the first, uh, the first chapter of the same book, 2 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience. It's, this affliction is uh, difficult circumstances that bring extreme pressure. Anybody ever felt any infl- affliction before? Yeah, me too. We, listen to this we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. We thought we were gonna die. That's how bleak and how dark things were. But that was, why did it happen? That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. It's in our darkest seasons of life life, where we really see if we have the spirit of faith. God will allow us to experience at times situations that seem so bleak because he is cultivating and bringing out of us a response of faith, a situation that we're in that we can't possibly resolve on our own. And it's in our desperation that we're driven to the promises of God. We confess them, we declare them, and we begin to see something change on the inside of us. And then after that, we begin to see things change on the outside of us from 1998 to 2013 we lived completely on missionary support support from partners who just supported us as missionaries first to the university campuses then we were planning churches that took us brought us to australia then back to the us and then when we uh, came back in 2013 i started a business and did that for seven years so it really wasn't until uh, planting this church that I actually had a salary It was just like so much just living by faith. And there were seasons of great prosperity and abundance and God's provision, but there were also some seasons that were extremely challenging and pressure-filled. I remember once being so broken. I am laying on the couch with my head in Olivia's lap, crying like a baby. That's how broken I was overwhelmed with just just this lack, what seemed like a lack of provision. Where is God in this moment? And really what I began to see coming to the surface, it was really about my identity and my worship of money. God was beginning to break that off of me. But it was in that moment of desperation that I had nowhere else to go. We're done. Like. We were to the point where the credit card was maxed you know we uh, the partnership team was struggling gfc it was difficult times
2: and started confessing the word just confessing the promise when i got nothing else i got the
1: promise of god and so it's in those dark moments that we see how we respond and then it wasn't long after that that god said I'm bringing you. I want, I want you to go back to Australia, and we had no money. We had credit card debt. We were in a bad way. We had spent all of our money and spent the bank's money, and we were at the end, dark, dark season. And uh, I remember talking to someone and said, so we're, "We're we're I believe God's calling us back to Australia." And he's like, "Whatever. Like, don't, don't, don't be, don't be stupid. Don't. You know, it's like, okay, okay, just kind of get that out of your head. All right, you're here now." Uh, but we heard the voice of God. We were confessing the word. Long story short, in six weeks, we raised $25,000, booked our flights, sent all of our stuff over, and moved back to Australia.
2: But how, what, what, what if in that dark moment it would have just been, all right, I'm done, I give up? See, the spirit of
1: faith and the filter through which information flows has a significant impact upon our future and our destiny. But it was the desperation that drove me back to the promise of God. Looking back on the last few weeks, it's no coincidence that we had one of the most intense weeks of spiritual warfare, the same day that all hell was breaking loose in our minds. I had had a meeting with uh, Pastor Raff and Pastor Steve Cawthorn about uh, in, in our miracle offering that we were going to that we're going to receive in November towards moving into a new facility. You know, the enemy hates when we begin to take ground in our lives. He wants to do everything he can to possibly discourage us. Uh, By the way, if you weren't here last week, we are receiving our first ever miracle offering as a church on the 12th and the 19th of November towards moving into our own facility. And yes, I know I'm looking around the room and yeah, we probably need about $150,000 or more. Uh, and I'm looking around the room and I, there, we're, we're not 300 people in here, are we? It will be, this miracle offering will be a miracle. But I've just said, I've just felt the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to call my people to give, to give sacrificially, to give extravagantly and watch what I do. Maybe it'll all come from this room, I don't know. Maybe it'll come from this room and somewhere else but I believe it's going to come. We have a prophetic promise. We sat in Pastor Corey's office uh, a couple months ago. It was uh, me and Martin and Sammy begins to prophesy over us. And he calls out, he says, he starts speaking of a facility that God is going to lead us into even in the next six months. And so we're looking at, we've set a date of the 31st of March. (laughs) Now, would it be a miracle? Absolutely. It'd be a miracle
2: but all things are possible for those who believe. But God was speaking to me
1: this week, giving me some context for what happened the week before. He Spoke very, very clearly, it was one of these, I'm writing it down in my journal because God is talking to me right now. And he basically said this, he said, I could not allow you to call my people to a new level of investment in the future of this house without first testing whether you could rise to a new level of endurance and perseverance? Are you going to push through? Because if you're not going to push through, nobody else is going to push through. In other words, can I trust you to lead my people without giving up when it gets hard? Now, I realize that we've not passed the ultimate test of not giving up. We got another ten years at least of leading this church. We'll see what happens. There'll be other churches that we plant uh, from this church in the future. And the ultimate test is, am I going to finish strong? Am I going to love my wife and my my family faithfully until the end? But there are moments that we come to when when God allows some things to manifest in our life to really test what's going on in the heart and to help us to see, what's really in there, because when we get
2: squeezed, whatever's inside just comes shooting out, doesn't it? God does this in all of our lives. There's no failure unless we quit, unless we give up. It's this
1: willingness to keep going and not give up that is one of the most important character traits of a follower of Jesus and we see it all through scripture. Let's look at this James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, perseverance, endurance. And look look at this. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There is no pathway to sanctification and becoming like Christ that does not include having to persevere, push through, be steadfast through darkness and difficult times of life. Because we are walking through a fallen world where there are things that, that, that occur around us in our seen reality that does not measure up to the unseen promise of God. And we have to, by faith, through the spirit of faith, begin to lay hold of the promise, call things that be not as though they were, and change our seen reality in light of the promises of God. And so the spirit of faith hinges upon a decision to believe instead of give up. It's a decision. If you keep reading in that James passage, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him Look at this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Okay, this is, the, this is the expectation. Faith, no doubting. And it will be given to him. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything From the Lord, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. How's that for a promise? If we are double-minded and we doubt, we can expect to receive nothing from the Lord. In other words, if we choose not to believe, if we choose instead to give up, if we are double-minded, if we allow our emotions to cause us to um, believe today, I don't believe the next day, I believe today, I don't believe the next day, then... Scripture says, God says, we receive nothing. And so it's in our darkest moments. We have to decide whether we will give up or whether we will keep believing. One of my, my favorite stories in the New Testament, really in the Gospels, is the story of Jairus, who has a spirit of faith. He is this man, he's, you, you, in Mark 4, you get this picture of Jesus gets out of a boat and he's just standing on the seashore. He's just stand there, Sea of Galilee, All these people start crowding around Jesus as would normally happen, right? Why are they doing that? Healings, free meals, you know, all you can eat, buffet in the middle of the field, fish and bread, all you can eat. And people are running up to Jesus. And the picture you get is that everybody's just standing there. Nobody's doing anything. Just waiting. What's Jesus going to do next? But here comes this man, Jairus. He's kind of busting through the crowd, excuse me pardon me, coming through, and it says he falls down in Jesus' feet, and he says, Jesus, my daughter is sick, but you're going to come lay your hands on her, and she's going to be healed. And the amazing thing about it is, is Jesus says, okay, let's go. And Jesus leaves the crowd of all the need, hurting broken people. His ministry, Jesus' ministry, is being directed that day by one man who has a spirit of faith. They're walking, and then on the way there, you know the story. The woman with the issue of blood, she's she touches Jesus' uh, clothing, and she gets healed. And then they keep walking after that. And here comes this guy from Jairus' house.
2: And they come up to Jairus. He says, "They say, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. It's over. It's done. She's dead. It's too late." And I love what Jesus says. Jesus turns to Jairus and just says, Jairus, don't be afraid, keep believing. Okay, the inference is is if you are
1: afraid and you stop believing, your daughter will stay dead. If you choose instead to keep believing, resist the temptation to fear, and keep going to your house and taking me there, then I'm gonna raise her from the dead. And so what does Jesus do? He goes in and raises his daughter from the dead. It was Jairus's spirit of faith. And how about the woman before that? What does Jesus say to her? She's saying within herself, if I can just touch his clothing, I'll be be healed. If I just touch his clothes, I can be healed. If I just touch his clothes, I can be healed. Reaches out, touches his clothing. Jesus stops. Who touched me? All this crowd of people pressing in on him. Disciples are like, Jesus, what are you talking about? All these people are touching you. Everybody's touching you. What you? And he's like, no, 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 I felt power come out of me. Somebody touched me differently. <laughs> and he turns to this woman and he says, uh, he doesn't say the mercy of God is healed. He doesn't say the, even the power of God. He says, woman, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, be, be, be free from your affliction. Jesus credits her faith for the healing. We have to accept the responsibility to believe. We have to recognize that if we want the promises of God to be at work in our lives, we must cultivate a spirit of faith.
2: And so the spirit of faith grows through the power of our declaration. That's why my Apple
1: Watch was telling me to stop screaming so loud, because I was screaming. I was screaming the word. I was confessing the word. I was declaring things over my family. I was declaring things over this church and my future. Declaring, I was telling the devil to get away from my wife, get away from my family, get away from my mind.
2: Paul says it in 2 Corinthians four, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. The spirit of faith speaks. There's a confession of faith that comes out of the heart of the one with the spirit of faith. That was why the woman with the issue of blood is
1: saying, if I can just touch his clothing, I'll be healed. Just saying it over and over again. I can imagine Jairus turning to Jesus and say, all right, let's go, let's keep going to my house. I guess you're gonna raise it from the dead.
2: If we have a spirit of faith, it'll be evident in what we say. There's so many confessions I speak over my life, whether it's
1: about his financial provision, my health, living a long life. I just say that one over and over again. One from the Psalms. I think it's the end of Psalm 91. With a long life, you will satisfy me and let me see many good days. Is that Psalm 91?
2: Yeah, come on. I knew Lauren would know right where that verse was. (laughs)
1: Confessions about God's provision. Confessions over the covenant promise of my family and my children loving and serving Jesus. Listen, there's... We can point to a whole lot of things that, you know, what causes our children to love and serve Jesus. But at the very top is a, the, the parents taking a stand on the covenant promise, the covenant promise that God made to Abraham. I will be God to you and your descendants after you. We know in Christ, all the covenant promises that God made to Abraham have been fulfilled in him and have and we are heirs of God's covenant promise to Abraham. So just meditate on those. I'm confessing all the times, all the time promises about multiplying disciples. God, you said that you would bless me. You would multiply me. And he said to Abraham, I will make your name great. I don't really care about my name being great, but I do want my influence to increase, not for myself, but for the kingdom. So I just confess it all the time. Father, thank you that your word says that you will bless me, you will multiply me, you will increase my influence. Abraham became rich, continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. Father, I thank you that I have already become rich, but I'll continue to grow richer until I become very wealthy. I just speak God's promises over my life. All kinds of areas of my life. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We want faith to grow in our heart we got to hear the word. And there's there's moments of studying the Bible. There's moments of just reading and letting it wash over you. But there are moments when you just get a list of Bible verses about God's covenant promises in whatever area you're struggling with. I got a list of, of Bible verses about sexual purity. Yes, I do. Why? Because my victory, my faith, uh, my, my capacity to... A uh, resist temptation does not come from my the decision of my will. It comes from the spirit of faith that understands who I am in Christ, who God has made me, and who I am not. And so, con- you know, just confessing God's promises over I- our identity. You got struggling, you struggle with insecurity. You got fear of man in your life. Spirit of faith will take care of that, but you got to cultivate it. You got to be confessing God's word. You got to be speaking it out of your mouth. But here's just one kind of summary confession of the spirit of faith. My victory is certain because Christ's victory has already been secured. That's just a good summary of all of God's covenant promises. It's this is key on so well shared in, in communion today that everything that we look to God for is certainly, without a doubt, ours because. God doesn't look at us and measure our performance, how good we've been, on whether or not we, he will do something good for us. All God's looking at is the spirit of faith. That's all he wants to see, is their faith. It's the spirit of faith that in our, in, in our, after our moment of weakness, after you know, sinning in some way, comes right back to the cross. And says, Father, thank you that I can come boldly into your presence because Jesus dealt with my sin on the cross. Of course, we confess our sins to God. He forgives us. But then we just boldly come right back into his presence. Because our right to do that and our right to receive the promises of God are independent of whether or not we've kept the law. Independent of our how good of a week we had, how many times we read the Bible that week, how good our devotional time, how close God felt, none of that matters. All that matters is, do we believe the promise? Will we stand upon the word and keep confessing it and keep standing
2: and believe, knowing that our victory is certain because of Christ's victory already being secured? Of course, it's a challenging one to consistently live out in our lives. We go through
1: difficulties, challenges. Um, we often connect those difficulties and challenges to our spiritual enemy. And if we are not careful, we can find ourselves beginning to make this little truce with the devil. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever made a truce with truce with the devil? Now you probably didn't overtly make a truce with the devil, but it kind of sounds a little bit like this. All right, if 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 I don't mess with you, you don't mess with me. All right, if I just back off a little bit here in this area, can you just back off a little bit? I'll stop leading this life group, I'll, I'll stop discipling this person, I'll stop sharing Jesus so much. I'll, I just want to go back into the comfort that I was experiencing before. If I back off, will you back off? Now the, our enemy, of course, is very happy with that arrangement because that's his victory. Our comfort, our passivity, our refusal to stand, our refusal to keep pushing forward is the enemy's victory in our life. But that's not the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith embraces the reality of the spiritual battle that we're in and recognizes that there is no truce with the enemy. There is no truce because he won't be satisfied. He'll just happily move us back a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Man, so many other passages we could look at, but maybe let's just finish with this one. 1 John 4, 4. I don't know if I put this up there or not. I don't think I did. Listen to this. Little children, you are from God
2: and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater. Oh yeah, there it is. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. One last story for you. We'll finish up. and. just respond to this word. The great um, Kiwi adventurer, Sir Edmund Hillary, had as his
1: great ambition to be the first man to ever climb to the top of Mount Everest. There he is there with his Sherpa, Tenzing Norgay. Uh, Prior to the 1950s, nobody had ever climbed to the top of Mount Everest. It had never been done. And uh, it was Edmund Hillary's great ambition to be the first man to ever climb to the top, Uh, of course, today it's quite common for people to climb to the top, in fact anybody seen the 14 peaks documentary this. This dude that has climbed 14 of the 8000 meter plus peaks and did it in like seven months months—it's crazy. But. um, Back in the 1950s, the thought of climbing Everest was extremely daunting and. Uh, Edmund Hillary had already tried to climb Everest and had failed and so he had it was very expensive, so he would have these banquets and fundraisers and so he's at one of these banquets one of these fundraisers with his financial benefactors and he was giving a talk on. uh, On climbing Everest and Mount Everest and the experience that he had and there was this big mural behind him of Mount Everest, as he was speaking and. Uh, In the middle of his speech to all these people, he begins to turn around and he begins to speak to Mount Everest. He begins to
2: address the mountain. He said, Mount Everest, you've beat me once. You might beat me again. He said, but Mount Everest, I will defeat you
1: because you can't get any bigger, but I can. Man, that's a... How about that for a spirit of faith? Devil, you might have beat me. Yeah, 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 you knocked me down this time. Yeah, things have been pretty rough. You might actually beat me again. But devil, I will defeat you because you can't get any bigger, but I can. Or maybe better said, the greater one living on the inside of me, I'm going to lay hold of who he is, come into a greater understanding of who's inside of me,
2: and I will defeat you. Maybe have the worship team come back up. The confession of the spirit of faith is, I can't be defeated. I'm not gonna give up. I can't be defeated. It's impossible to to
1: lose. Jesus has already won for me. As long as I don't give up, as long as
2: I keep pushing, I will win. The enemy can't get any bigger in my life. But my understanding of who I am in Christ can. And so, Father, we come to you in this moment. God, I ask that you would do something supernatural in our hearts. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. Just begin to ask God to to
1: highlight by his Holy Spirit what it is that it looks like for you to apply this word more deeply.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God.